Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. This week, you'll hear from Executive Pastor Chris Robinson. I'm going to try to give you the Chris Robinson jet airplane Ephesians 1 through 5 as opposed to the Pastor Dan driving. (laughs) But with all seriousness, I'm going to try to hit as many points as I possibly can. So, the question that's been placed up here for the last six weeks has been why. That's an interesting question to me, because if you've ever watched anything on YouTube, TED Talks, or you've ever heard of a gentleman by the name of Simon Sinek, uh, I know John knows who he is, he, he does a talk on why, why is important. And as people started to develop this idea, you know, they understood why has a lot to do with purpose. You know, Simon would say that there's three circles, in the middle is why, then the next circle is how, and the next one is what. So when the people on the outside looking into your organization, or even you within the organization, you know what you do. Some people then know how you do it from the outside. And most of you, if you're within an organization, you should know how you do something, right? But a lot of people, that gray area is why. So the question that's been asked is, why do I need the church? Now, it's hard to answer that question. It's kind of like me asking you, why are we friends? Because to answer that question, to connect your emotions to why we're friends or why you need the church that's hard, right? I mean, you could probably generate an answer, but is it really why you need the church? Is it really why you come here today? Is it? I mean, you'd have to actually do some thinking, which I told you right now, we don't have time to do. You don't have time to think. Neither do I, so I'm going to have to get through this pretty quick. But it's not a question that can just be answered, because it's hard to connect that emotionality to why you need the church. Now, some of us probably have had experiences within the church and can be like, I needed the church when this time, or I needed the church when this happened. They can understand and give you an answer and maybe come to a reasonable answer as to why you need the church. But then, if you think about this too, why, why, why is up there three times. It's almost like kids answering the question or saying why. Have you ever told them something? Why? Well, it's, it's for this reason. Why? Well, it's for this reason. Why? Because! I'm the adult. You're the kid. Get in line. Right? But what happens when it's an adult doing that? Because let's let's face it, Amanda, adults do that, don't they? (laughs) Yeah, right? Why, why should I stand, keep doing step-ups? Why should I do lunges? Well, because they're good for you. I ask that question when I do burpees. I mean, why do I do them? Because they're good for you. you know, why do you eat a healthy diet? Because it's good for you. Well, is that good enough? You know, Why do I need the church? It may lead you to ask other questions that are related to the church. Things like, why do we show up early on Sundays? Why do we get out of bed? Who in here loves to sleep? Right? Why do we wake up early to pray? Why do we pray for the church? Why do we pray for those especially within the church? Why do we smile, shake hands, give high fives, and lift lift our hands in praise during music time? I mean, these are questions that arise from a question as, why do I need the church? Why do we get asked to sacrifice our hard-earned money? Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? Why do we get reminded Sunday after Sunday to stay focused on serving others, especially those within the church? Why do we invite people to join us 
if we do? And why should the people on the outside looking in care? Because the question you have to ask yourself is, if this building, the one next door or this one, did not exist, would the community care? It's a fair question, isn't it? So not only is this question for us in here, why do they need the church? Right? So there's more to it than just me asking that question, just than Pastor Dan asking it. You've got to really sit and think, why do I need the church? I found this from the Journey Church. They said this, because I think it helps go along with what we're talking about. They say there's something significant about God's people gathered together with the intent of worshiping him, learning from his word, and pointing others to his gospel and grace. By definition, just by showing up on a Sunday morning, we're declaring that God's purpose is more important. It's this idea that when you say yes to Sunday morning, you're saying no to everything else. Everything else. Am I preaching perfect attendance? No. But what I am saying is that the average Christian nowadays goes to church 1.3 times per month. 1.3 times per month. Think about that for a second. If we were only open on Sundays, that's one service, and maybe you get here after music ends, or you leave after music ends. That's about it, right? If you were to attend your job that much, would you still be hired? Yeah. State workers probably would be, but <laughs> <laughs> Matt's not in here, doggone it. He's not in here to defend himself. I love Matt. That's why I did that. But just by showing up on Sunday morning, you show the outside Sunday is important. It is. You're saying no to everything else. It's not like you're dating the church. You never had that person, well, I, I'd love to go on a date with you, but I'm doing my hair. I'd love to come to church, but I, I got to do my hair. I got to sleep. I got to... I got to do this. This is more important. I'm not saying perfect attendance, but I am saying it's important, is it not? By definition, we're declaring that God's purpose each Sunday morning is important. We're declaring that we want to be in his presence every Sunday and Wednesday night, I should add that. Isaiah, when he saw God, face-to-face -face in Isaiah chapter 6. Woe is me. I wonder how many of us get up every Sunday and be like, woe is me. I'm going to the presence of God. Or I should look somewhat nice, right? Give my best to God. I mean, you're not wearing sweatpants and a hoodie like I would like to be. You see me on Sunday nights, that's probably how I'm dressed. But do you come with that mindset, that is where I'm going to meet God. I'm going to give God my best. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. It's in here. Your best is in here. I'm going to give him this because of what he did for me this past week, this past year, these past two years. Yikes. The presence of God. Isaiah saw it. I'd highly recommend, if you don't know what I'm talking about, read Isaiah chapter 6, like first. 14, 15 verses. Get a perspective of who God is. And the other thing we need to understand is that this isn't just why do I need the church? Not just for ourselves, but the church is for uh, one another. It's for our community. And most importantly, it's, it's for God. This is where his presence is. This is where we magnify and glorify the Almighty, the one that sent his son to die for you, and the least you can do is live for him, right? Where his presence is, is here in all of us, congregated together. Moses knew that fact, and I've brought it up before last week. Moses knew that fact in Exodus. God said, you guys can have the promised land. I ain't going with you. Moses was like, nah, I don't want the promised land. I want you. Sunday morning comes. Uh, uh, I got to go to church. 
I don't want to go. I'd rather sleep, right? Or whatever. That's where he's at. He's waiting for you. He wants to meet with you and draw close to us. That's how we all do it together is here. It starts here. And you go out into the world. So to take now what I've just said and everything that Pastor Dan, Dan has said, here we go. Why do we need the church? Because Ephesians chapter 1, we're better together. Paul starts off the letter with verse 1 saying that Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed, by the will of God, that is by his purpose and his choice to the saints, God's holy people, who are at Ephesus and are faithful, loyal, and steadfast in Christ Jesus. Paul is basically saying that the saints, the holy people of God, are set apart for a purpose. That's what it means to be holy. You're set apart for a purpose. How many in here would just like to know that their life has purpose? Right? Well, there you go. Paul's like, you have been set apart by believing in Christ Jesus for a purpose. A purpose bigger than just yourself. Pastor Dan would say that the purpose of being better together comes from living together under Christ, living together by Christ, living together for Christ, and living together with Christ. should all be a cohesive, one another thought process. That's what the church is. I've heard it said before by John Wooden, and I've individuals win awards, MVPs and whatnot, Rookie of the Year, whatever, but teams win championships. Teams win championships. Individuals win awards, teams win championships. Are we a team or are we a group of individuals trying to get awards? Better praying together, which actually comes from Ephesians 3. We skip 2, go to 3. This is where the rubber hits the road for intercessory prayer for Paul. Ephesians uh, 3, 14 through 21. Pastor talked about praying for one another's fortitude, which comes from courage and strength. Uh, praying for one another's faith, fullness, and focus in Christ. So there you go, the four Fs. Fortitude, faith, fullness, and focus. All of which are in Christ. And then praying for the lost. Showing that the lost, if someone may be here today that is lost, number one, showing that they, you care about them, either by praying for them, Introducing yourself to them, whatever. But we also do that out into the community. Then we go into uh, chapter 4. We are better, we need the church because we are better at building together. It's more or less, we are each other's support system. I got a question for you. As you look around the room, or think of anybody that may not be here, do you have any two a.m. friends. Do you have any 2 a.m. friends? That's before I even get up, right? Do you have someone, if they were to call you at 2 a.m. or you were to call them at 2 a.m., they would be there no matter what? Not just in your life, I mean in this building. Talk about those in this building. Because that's important, is it not? We are each other's support system. When 2 a.m. comes and a tragedy strikes, are you going to pick up the phone and call somebody at church? Or are you going to call one of your work buddies or somebody else? It should be one of us, shouldn't it? It's a fair question. I heard a story about a group of church elders that... They were on a retreat, and they were asked this question, and nobody, church elders, mind you, nobody in the room could point to one another. Zero. And these are older gentlemen because they had war buddies and other people that they all said that they would call, family members, whatnot, but they had nobody. If that is the case, then find one person, one person in your life that's in the church that you can attach yourself to and build a relationship. Just one. And who knows, maybe the pyramid effect will happen. That one person leads to two, and then that, those two people lead to three. Yeah, I could do math for you, but I'm, I'm not that good at it. 
We need the church for one another because sometimes, and God forbid this, sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we're lazy. Sometimes we're apathetic, worn out, bored. Please don't be bored right now. <laughs> we're too busy. If I just said a word that may have described you in the last two weeks, guess what? I was prob I'm lazy sometimes. When I'm left to my own devices, sweatpants, hoodie, nice warm blanket, and a movie, nothing else. Don't bother me. <laughs> Don't bother me. Kiddos, you can watch the movie or go to bed. <laughs> it's that simple. But left to my own devices, that's who I am. And sometimes I need to call that out and be like, you cannot. Somebody's calling you at 2 a.m. Definitely can't be like that. It's time to get out of bed. Sorry it's an inconvenience, but sometimes you would hope that somebody's there for you, wouldn't you? Just like anybody else. And I say that we, we need that because we need to lift each other up because we all experience those things. If the rubber hits the road for intercessory prayer in chapter 3, Paul is saying is if you're, once you're connected to one another, you should be praying that these things don't infiltrate each other. Because we, we get tired, right? I made the joke Wednesday night, by 9 p.m., I'm a pumpkin. You know, Cinderella's came at midnight, mine comes at 9. That is if I haven't had enough coffee. And then we will get past 9 o'clock. We need the church because we're better encouraging one another. Basically, we need the church because we are one another's cheerleaders. Do you know how you can tell a real friend? A real friend is someone, when something good happens to you, they are super excited. They're not jealous, and God forbid, they're not envious. They're happy for you. You know, when you say, I just got a raise at work, they're like, Oh, that's awesome. You must have done something great. You know, tell me about it. Tell me more about it. Instead of being like, you don't deserve that. Jealous is wanting what someone else has. Envy is the sin that comes from that. So God forbid that you're envious or even jealous. We should be one another's cheerleaders. We should be like, great job. Keep going. Don't. Don't let tiredness, boredom, whatever, get in there. Keep going. Keep reading your word. It's okay that you missed. Keep going. It's okay. And then last week I talked about uh, strength and conditioning, uh, using the analogy of that in my own life. We're uh, we need the church because we're better at sh when we strengthen one another. We're one another's strength coaches. We need a healthy diet of one another. We need to keep each other on God's workout plan. Know what sets, reps, and even rest periods. Because God gave a command that you shall rest on the sixth day. How many of you could admittedly say that you take a Sabbath? I have to force myself to do it. Make myself and protect that time. Because you know what I'm saying to God if I don't? Well, if I don't work this day, if I don't do what I'm supposed to do this day, the world's just going to fall apart. God's like, uh, did you make it? I don't think not. <laughs> I don't think you did. Guess what? Ampeset's still going to be there. Life is still going to be there. Take some time off. I put it in there for a reason. Even I took a break. Take a break. Because there's people in your lives that could use your time. And then I talked about maxing out. John the Baptist knew how to max out. He lived his life for Christ. The person he wasn't even worthy of in strapping his shoes. He was radical. He was a wild man. He told the religious leaders how it was. And when Jesus came, he immediately became submissive. Because he knew who he was talking to. He knew who the Son of Man was. And when he said, I'm the one that should be baptizing you, the Son of Man said, no, I need to be baptized first. And then J John the Baptist willingly did it for him. 
that's submission. That's maxing out. And lastly, what we're going to talk about today, we need the church because we are better in battle together. There is a battle going on. There is one in real life. I've already mentioned it in prayer. But there is a invisible, constant, ever-growing battle going on. You'll know these verses as I read them. It's the armor of God. You've, Pastor, I believe, has preached on it before. You probably have heard it in context in other places. But basically what Paul is saying, all the stuff that I just rambled off, it all sounds good. Sound, all sounds great for the church, you know, be, to be together, be each other's cheerleader support system. <laughs> but what Paul is saying here now is this new life, the church and all of our relationships with the Spirit of God living through us, it will all occur in a hostile envi environment. As C.S. Lewis would say, we are in enemy territory. We are in enemy territory. If you're in the kingdom of God, you're in enemy territory every time you step out of this place. So, with that, Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. I'm going to read from the NIV. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our struggle that we constantly go through is not against flesh and blood. What, Paul? You mean that person that spoke words to me? My battle's not against them? No, it's not. It's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, not just some, in all, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints, all of us in Christ Jesus. Pray also for me, which is Paul, and even me, that whenever I open my mouth the rest of this time, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly Make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. You probably have heard all that, and probably if you've had, ever had Sunday school as a kid, you've probably had like maybe a flannel board, and you put, throw up the little flannel thing, and it sticks to the little guy. I don't know. Or we used to have, um, I believe Amanda, you painted the picture of the armor uh, in Beth's Sunday school. So you can kind of get this idea of what it looked like. One of my favorite pictures that may help you, some of you guys, um, I did a youth lesson on the movie 300. And I'm not going to go too much detail about this, but the part where the Persians finally show up and you have the 300 Spartans standing there, it's time for battle. And the 300 men must stand together in order to defeat the enemy. They must stand together as one cohesive unit. Because if one weakness shows up, they're all done. Right? And one of my favorite parts where it talks about the shield, there's a part in the movie where the arrows of the enemy darken the sun. Could you imagine so many arrows and not having a shield? Just something to think about as we go through this. So for you guys that have seen the movie 300, there you go. Good reason to watch the movie. First off, 
We're better in battle together because we enjoy the same connection. How do we have a connection? Well, it says, be strong in the Lord. There's our connection right there. This isn't a brute strength. This isn't a workout six, seven times a week to build up your strength like Arnold did. By the way, if you've ever looked up anything Arnold Schwarzenegger's ever done, he was in the gym six days a week. Six days a week doing volume workouts that crazy. He used to eat like a madman, and The Rock does so now, too. I mean, that's, The Rock is a big guy, right? You can't eat as much as he eats. Let me, I guarantee you, I can't. So, anyway. This isn't about brute strength. This is about being strong in the Lord. Our connection must be to Yahweh. It must be to Adonai. It must be to Elohim. It must be to God Almighty. Any other connection is weakness. Any other connection is weakness. Be strong in the Lord. Because that's the only source of strength. We are here for that reason. I hope and pray that's why we're here. We must know who we're talking to. The one that has all things in control. We use the word sovereign for that. The one who knows all things. The one who is everywhere. We must know who we're talking to and know who we're connected to. It must be him. It must be. No other foundation. All other, all other foundation is sinking sand. Secondly, because we must be connected to one another through Yahweh because an unsaved person cannot help us. What do I mean by that? I just said if any weakness got in for the 300 Spartans, those 300 men would fall. Yet they stood shield to shield, man to man, and withheld their own. Granted, it's a movie. And it's okay, and we should have the unsaved here at church. It's okay, to, that's fine. And if you're not saved, now would be the time to s repent and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I believe that you rose and died from the grave and saved my life for that reason. Okay. We should have unsaved here at church. But you are, you are, uh, the five people you hang out with the most will determine who you are. And if one of those people are unsaved, they could be influencing you. They could be deteriorating your connection to Yahweh. They could be infiltrating you with their thoughts, their ways, which are ultimately what? The world's ways and the world's thoughts, right? So you need to be very mindful of who you spend the most time with. Very mindful. Or even what media you watch or listen to. Because believe it or not, that stuff has an influence on you. It's entertaining, but to what end? Fair question, isn't it? So it's only with the purpose of salvation in mind should those people be invited into our churches, our small groups, and whatnot. We should have them as a part of our normal day life and a part of what they see here. But it should be with the purpose of them getting saved, right? I mean, if they're just showing up to show up, you need to be very careful. Warning right now. Be very careful who you spend time with. We enjoy the same connection, so we're equipped to stand together in spiritual battle by embracing and wearing the same battle armor. Verses 11, 14 through 17. Uh, listened to a sermon one time by Dr. Tony Evans about uh, the battle or the um, armor of God. And he said, you ever want to know how to be dressed for success? Ephesians chapter 6. You ever thought of it that way? If I want to be dressed for success on a regular basis, it's the armor of God. And it's not just putting it on once. 
It's a continual daily thing. When your feet hit the floor, thanksgiving to God, spiritual warmer because you're getting ready to go to battle. doesn't matter where you're going. doesn't matter if it's a comfortable or safe place. The devil can show up there, can't he? You want to be dressed for success? It's the armor of God. And so with that comes the full armor of God. Pastor Dan, one of the things that he was concerned about me talking about was how we may only partially put on the armor of God. We may think that we only need certain pieces to, in order to get through our day. If you went without the helmet of salvation, let's say for instance, did you know that Satan is a sniper? And when you're a sniper, yeah, you may be able to hit important vital arguments in here, but where are you probably aiming for? 90% of spiritual battle occurs right here. He's aiming for your head. The helmet of salvation must go with you, right? He's not worried about just injuring you. He's worrying about taking you out. And if he takes you out, he may be able to take everybody else out. So this is a full armor of God. And why the fullness? Because it's balanced. There's five pieces that, go, that are defensive and two pieces that are on the offense. Those five pieces, the truth, Truth holds us up like a belt. Righteousness to cover our hearts. Gospel to guide our feet. The shield of faith to uh, help shield us from the attacks of the enemy. And the helmet of salvation to guide our minds. So there's five pieces right there. They're all for, to help defend you. Now here are two that help you on the offense. The word of God and prayer. The word of God is a sword to answer the attacks, accusations, assaults, and anything else that the evil one can throw at you. Greatest example would be Matthew 4, when he's in the wilderness with Satan. Jesus was able to quote scripture like bullets in a gun to fight off the attack. Now, even Satan was like, well, doesn't scripture say this? But Jesus is like, well, yeah, it does, <laughs> but you don't quite get the intent of why it's said that way. Instead, it says this. So it's not just enough to know what this says. Context is extremely important. Taking one passage to fit your means is no different than what Satan can do. Knowing what's around it, either in the immediate or the overall context, is vastly important. Now, are you saying, well, I'm trying to get into my Bible, Pastor. Now you just discouraged me. I, I, I want to read it more. Okay, start small. You know, you can't create a habit without starting somewhere. But once you create that habit, try to make it bigger. Try to memorize more. Try to look at the other chapters around it. Don't just take one thing for what you want to serve your purpose. Because the world can do that. And Satan does. And lastly, prayer. Prayer is the other weapon we have in our toolkit. I can't emphasize prayer enough. I really can't. I've been spending six months almost on it on Sunday nights. Pastor Bob, thankfully, filled in for me this past Sunday. <laughs> prayer is important. Because prayer does not prepare you for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Oswald Chambers. If you aren't praying, okay, no big deal. Start today. I, as your treasurer and your pastor, <laughs> we got these. Please do not let these go to waste. Please do not let these go to waste. Pray every day. Real simple. Okay, we are equipped to stand together and enjoy the same connection by engaging in the same combat. 
You've ever heard the saying, united we stand, divided we fall? If we don't fight united, guess what we are? We're falling, right? Did you know that on average, on a yearly basis, 4,000 churches close and only 1,000 open? So it's a four-to-one ratio of church clo- churches closing to churches opening. I would hate to say it, but I think we're divided, aren't we? Because how many denominations do we have? 60-plus thousand. Because somebody got ticked off and went and opened their own church. Yeah, they may have good theology, sure. It's the same theology as the church that they just left, but they're opening a church for the wrong reasons. It's okay to not agree or disagree, but don't disrespect one another. It's okay to disagree, but don't disrespect, because I can guarantee you, if you have a non-saved person that you're disrespectful to, and you want them to get saved, they're going to want nothing to do with this. It's okay if they believe certain things, because guess what? That's what they're going to do. They may cuss, they may do all these other things, but it's you who gracefully and truthfully share the gospel. You talk to people, and it will make a lasting impression. Just the words you say, your body language, and stuff like that. There's so many things to communication in our bodies that we, don't, we take for granted. And the words, yes, are important. And sometimes we don't know what to say. That's why we need his presence. Because if you have his presence within you, which you do as a believer in the Holy Spirit, those words will come out of you. They will flow out of you like living water. I would love to quench somebody's thirst who has no hope, has no purpose, is hurt and broken. Wouldn't you? They may have a crappy day. Okay, forgive them. That's why uh, I can't, Bruce Hubel, Hebel, whatever his name was, where we did the forgiving forward, have an attitude of forgiveness going into every conversation. Because guess what? You may make somebody mad, Christian or not. Okay. It's like walking into bear country. Are you prepared for bears when they show up? Because if you're not, you better be running faster than everybody else, right? So, united we stand, divided we fall. What we have to realize is that these, this armor, this full armor, is what Paul would talk about again in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, that these are divinely powerful weapons and strategies These are not human. Anything that you use in spiritual battle that is humanly, it's not going to work. And if it does, it's only going to be temporary. It's like putting a Band-Aid on a severed leg. Ain't going to happen. And you're not going to be able to stand either. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3. That even though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh, but our weapons are divine to tear down those things that the devil tries to throw at us. And then lastly, verses 18 through 20. We're better together when we're praying and participating in the same fellowship. Continuous, tenacious, there's a word for you, and not tenacious D for you Jack Black fans. Continuous, tenacious, authoritative, inclusive, and intercessory. Those are some big words. If you Scrabble players are out here, you're going to have some, a lot of points. Continuous, prayer. Pray always. Paul talks about it in 1 Thessalonians. Pray always. Keep praying. And when you don't feel like praying, pray some more. Because I can guarantee you, you can't pray enough. I can guarantee you. Now, don't just be like, you know, you're about ready to doze off, and, oh, Lord, my toe. <laughs> it, I mean, if you, I, I'm joking, yes, and yes, your toe may need healed. Uh, I believe Jessica has had an ingrown toenail, and I, 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 prayed, I prayed for healing, right? And that's, that's important, because I don't want my wife 
having like a headache in her toes, right? Anybody been there? You know what it feels like, right? It's not fun. And I prayed for that. But if you listen to prayer meetings, they sound like anatomy. Pray for Bill's ear. Pray for Chuck's toe. Pray for what so-and-so's knee. Those things are important. But I can guarantee you those are not the most important. I can guarantee it. Pray tenaciously and authoritatively. Pray as if the prayer is answered. Mark chapter 11 I believe in 1 Peter at some point he talks about that as well. Does that mean you'll get what you'll get? Maybe not, because God has several responses. A yes, a no, and who are you talking to? <laughs> right? It's either yes, no, sometimes it's not now. You've got to wait a little bit. You're not ready for it. Or it's the, are you kidding me? I've talked about this on Sunday nights before. You cannot pray enough. Because when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised at how much stuff we left up there. There's going to be storehouses of stuff that we missed out on because we were too afraid to pray or we were too, I, I don't know, just didn't feel like doing it. When the Spirit was like screaming at us, pray about this, pray about it, do it. Pray as if you're going to get it. Be inclusive and be an intercessory. We did a study uh, on Joshua chapter 7. A lot of people know Joshua chapter 6. That's when the walls come tumbling down in Jericho, right? And the walls come tumbling down. Anyway, yeah, John Cougar Mellencamp, ladies and gentlemen. But the walls came tumbling down, and Joshua, at the very end of chapter 6, his name was vastly, like everywhere. You couldn't, you couldn't look at the TV without seeing Joshua, for instance. Chapter 7. Akan sins. But it's not just him. All of Israel sins. All of Israel sins. So they go to battle against this small podunk town where the people are a little bit big-headed. Oh, Joshua, you just send a small troop, maybe 3,000 at most. We got this. Guess who was running home to daddy? The Israelites, because they got their butts handed to them. And God said, get up off your face, Joshua. There's sin in the camp. We need to pray for one another. Yeah, the obstacle looks small. And maybe we can do it in our own strength, but we need him. He's got to be the focal point. It was point one of today's sermon. We must be connected to Yahweh in everything. Because I can guarantee you, you may think you're smart enough. You may think you're strong enough. You may think you're capable enough. But guess who will stop you if you have that mindset? The big G-O-D, because he wants to teach you something. You can't do this on your own. You need me. And you should want me to be there. You should want me to be a part of everything that you do. It's real simple. We all need each other's prayers. We all need them. Because you can look at people's lives and be like, oh, so-and-so's got it together. They're, they're well put. They're well off. Blah, 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 blah. I had to tell two gentlemen who worked on our house at Miller Drive one time. They were... Uh, working, and I was playing with the kids in the front yard, and one of them stopped me and said, I love to see a dad that still plays with his kids. I'm like, well, thank you, man. That's, that's great. He's like, you know, you just got a really lovely family and lovely wife, and I'm like, you better watch it. <laughs> He's like, how do you do it? I'm like, do you really want to know? He's like, yeah. How do you do it? It may look like I've got it all together. I don't have anything together. It's him who has it together. And he said, you know what, brother? Amen. He will hold it together. You're in good hands with the Almighty. And he replaced Allstate with Almighty. You're in good hands with Almighty. That's, a, that's a, our slogan, right? You're in good hands with Almighty. But he will hold it together. 
Because I got to tell you, there are days when I am tired of holding it together or trying to, right? And I'm sure we've all been there. We try to be so-and-so savior or do this for them or do that. It's tiring. It's hard. When we could have just stopped and said, God, I need you today. I need you, I need you to move in this way. I need you to move in this meeting. I need you to move on so-and-so. Please help me. Help me to know exactly what to say, what to do, where to be, when to do it, whatever. Because you already know how the day is going to go. So wouldn't it make sense that I would just ask you how it should go and how I should be in the middle of this? I think it makes sense, doesn't it? So you know the armor. You know the story behind why Paul talks about what he talks about here. I wanted to share a biblical story, kind of a Sunday night preview, if you will. And I will do this on a Sunday night, so don't feel like I'm shorting you if you come on Sunday nights. A great way to put all of everything that I said together, that Pastor Dan has said together, I think the Spirit led me to this. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read it in its entirety, so please bear with me. It's eight verses 8 through 23. If you don't think you need each other in spiritual warfare, listen to these words. 2 Kings chapter 6, starting at verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such place. The man of God, I love how the NIV puts this, the man of God, sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on guard in such places. Now this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of king of Israel? So essentially, king of Aram couldn't help but think somebody on the inside was getting out all these details, right? Isn't it funny how God works? So he's like, there must be somebody on the ins an informant on the inside that's telling the king of Israel all this stuff. Well, the officers, none of us, my lord, my king, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So the king of Aram goes, find out where he is. So I can send men and capture him. The report came back that he was in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots with a strong force. They went by night and surrounded the city. So imagine, if you will, a small city that is surrounded by horses and chariots. I don't know how many that is. I mean, I'll leave that up to you at your discretion. But a city. I mean, you take like Bono, Indiana. It's one of those places... If you're on Highway 71, you blink, you're going to miss it. But it's big enough, you're going to need several hundred chariots, right, to surround the entire thing. So now when the man, when the servant of the man of God wakes up, he goes out early and then sees an army with horses and chariots that are surrounding the city. He comes back to Elisha. Oh, my Lord. What, what shall we do? I, I would have just loved to have seen him, like, roll out of bed, if you will. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. He prayed to have the spiritual eyes of his servant opened, to see and actually have perspective. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So God struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you were looking for. And then he led them to Samaria. 
After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? But Elisha said, Do not kill them. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink, then go back to their master. That's an odd battle strategy. So the king prepared a great feast, and after the men had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. The bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel. Why do I tell you this story, and why, how do I think this goes together? Because spiritual victory comes through togetherness. Better together, the first point that Pastor talked about. The man of God provided wise counsel to the king and his servant. The man of God provided wise counsel both to the king of Israel and to the servant. If you think about what he did for the king, kept the king safe, and then also advised him not to kill the, kill the other men. The servant, don't be afraid. Better praying together. Three times, three times in this passage, passage Elisha prays for the man of God. Twice of those are for perspective. If you don't have someone in your life that can give you perspective, you need to find them quickly. Because we all need perspective. Because when we only see what we see, we don't see everything. And especially from God's vantage point. That's why the man of God prayed. That's why we're better when we pray together. Better building together. Essentially, Elisha, or the king of Israel through Elisha, build, built a non-warring contract with the Arameans. I mean... It just said there at the last verse that the king of Aram and the Arameans stopped raiding Israel. There you go. There's a non-warring contract. Just because of what he prayed for and what he did. He encouraged, encouraging one another. Elisha calmed the servant with godly assurance. Who in us couldn't use some godly assurance? going through whatever we're going through. Because it ain't easy sometimes, right? That would be ideal for most of us in here, just to have somebody to reach out to and for them to say, God, God's in control. God's got it. You know, we can get through this together through prayer. Maybe even through some fasting. Oh, there's a radical thought. We're better when we strengthen one another. Elisha gave his servant strength and courage. He essentially just told him, do not be afraid. We can all quote Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. But we see this octagon that's red, but with four different letters, F-E-A-R. We see a red octagon with the letters F-E-A-R, not S-T-O-P. When we see fear, we typically stop. The servant saw the physical. How am I going to handle the situation? How am I going to handle our finances? How am I going to handle this person at work? How am I going to do this? Oh, God, where are you? I don't know what I'm doing. But Elisha said, don't be afraid. For those that are with us are greater than those who are against us. I believe Jesus said something about being greater than the one that's in the world. And spiritual victory comes when we battle together in the same battle. The great thing about this story, there were zero casualties. Zero casualties. The low-hanging fruit was exactly what the king of Israel wanted to do, was just to kill the Arameans. And Elisha said, no, that's not what we're here to do. These people are representative of the unsaved. 
it's real easy to badmouth them. It's real easy to say, well, they don't understand because they're not Christian and all this other stuff. But if we don't want any casualties of the spiritual war, we need to be praying for them, just like Elisha did for his servant and for the king and for perspective. Because we've all got unsaved people in our lives. We've all, we all do. We need to pray for them. We need to battle for them. Because if they're really that important to you and you say, I love them to some of them, do you really? If you're not praying for them, hmm, tough. Second Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. I would highly recommend you take some time to meditate and read over it. And it's one thing we'll do one Sunday night because there's prayer in there. But just think if you had your eyes open. Oh, God, if you could just open my eyes to what's going on in my life, that I could see you bigger than my problem. Because too often our problems get bigger than our God, and we can't handle them. But sometimes that's where we need somebody to kick us in the spiritual butt. Look, I will pray for you, but you need to understand God is bigger than your problem. I'm, I'm sorry whatever happened, but God is in control. Use that as a means to show who he is to you and what you believe and help others. So as the worship team comes, I'm going to actually close with the same passage of scripture, but in a different translation. I... Uh, didn't want to teach or preach from the message translation, but I think it would be a good practical way to hear what Paul's really saying in this passage. So the message translation, Ephesians 6, this will be verses 10 through 20. And that about wraps it up. No, that's, that's, that's the actual, that's the actual words. And that about wraps it up. God is strong, and guess what? He wants you strong too. So take everything the master has set out for you. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I was a kid, when I was growing up, my mom would lay out my outfits, right? It's that same mentality before you start your day. God is laying out the armor on your bed. It's right there for you. All you got to do is pick it up and put it on. These well-made weapons of the best materials. God's not making just some chinky armor. He's making it of the best materials. And he's the one making it, so wouldn't you think that's the case? Put them on to use so you'll be able to stand up against everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from. Let me say that again. Too casually do we treat the spiritual warfare that we just think we're going to walk away from this. No, no scars, no scratches, nothing. He says, no, this is no weekend war that you'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of days. This is for keeps. This is a life or death situation. Fight to the finish against the devil and all his demons. This is not... If you said yes to Christ, you essentially said no to Satan, and he ain't happy. So he's going to do everything in his power to make sure, like destroy the sound. He's going to do everything in his power to make sure that you fall. This is not a weekend war, a small getaway that maybe something bad happened, and you're just going to walk away from it. Those people in Ukraine, do you think they're just going to walk away from what they're going through? No. Some of them have already lost family members. You don't walk away from that. We're losing people in the spiritual war. That's hard to walk away from. So he goes on. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words 
Learn how to apply them. Proverbs chapter 2 talks about taking the words of Solomon, the wisdom, and actually applying it to your heart for understanding. It's, we get a lot of information. Pastor Dan gives us a lot of theology, more so than I do. He's extremely smart, so that's why. And I try to give you as much as I can in a practical sense, but it's just information. If you don't do anything with it, it doesn't mean anything, right? It's just like me saying I love you and not doing anything about it. It doesn't mean anything. You'll need these throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray as hard as you can and as long as you can. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open, not just your physical, but your spiritual. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for your leaders. Pray that they'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time, telling the mystery to one and all. This is the message that I, the jailbird preacher known as Paul, is responsible for getting out. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.